this week, I, uh, I always pray. This is how I, I prepare to, that Jesus says, feed my sheep. That's my primary assignment, is to make sure that you get well fed when you show up on Sunday mornings. And so I always ask him, what do you want to say to your church? And usually I get a revelation from the Lord, or I ask the uh, senior leadership team what they feel like the church body needs, what's the Holy Spirit saying. And so this week I was asking him, and I felt like he said something to me I've never heard him say before. He said, what would you like to teach? I said, what? What would I like to teach? That was easy. I said, I want to brag about Jesus. So, so that's what I'm going to do today is I just want to brag about Jesus. So this is what I love about Jesus. Jesus did not come to the earth to bring another religion. He came to bring the kingdom of God. He brought hope to a hurting, lost, broken humanity. There is not a hopeless situation in your or my life that Jesus can't handle. He is much more than that little plastic statue that my grandma used to have stuck on her dashboard. And I'd sit in the backseat of the station wagon and he would just be staring at me. You know, I was like, oh, that was like my understanding of Jesus was that. And then I was brought up in a, uh, a religion that was performance-based, and you never really quite knew what was going to happen when you die. That's a horrible way to live. Jesus brought hope to the planet. And then he told his disciples, after Jesus displayed the kingdom and all of its power, he then told his first followers, now you go do the same thing. And when they did it, they were shocked. That they could also bring the kingdom. They went out and they raised the dead. They healed the sick. They cleansed lepers. They cast out demons. And they came back and they were shocked. And now it's our turn. But don't feel intimidated or unqualified. Because the first disciples were just average Joes and average Janes. He didn't go down to the university and pick out the best and the brightest. Sorry, baby. He went and picked out people like me, some rock drummer. And he calls us to represent him to the world. So if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus said that in my name you shall cast out devils, you shall heal the sick. And the truth is the authority is in his name and the power is by his spirit. It's not about you and me. It's about Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So today what I want to do is I want to look at how when Jesus came to the earth... And he dove, I love how he didn't like stay a safe distance from humanity. He dove right into our sorry lives. He hung out with the worst of the worst. And the worst of the worst were comfortable around Jesus. That's an amazing thing to me. And wherever he went, he brought what he called sozo. He brought uh, the kingdom of God, and whenever he administered the kingdom of God to someone's hopeless need, he used the word sozo. It's a Greek word that means deliverance, preservation, soundness, prosperity, happiness, rescue, general well-being. Who wants that? Who would like to have that as the description of your life? I am preserved. I am delivered. I am sound. I am prosperous. I am happy. I am rescued, and I generally am well. 
That's what Jesus Christ came to bring. He did not come to bring a religion. The word is used both in a material temporal sense, that's today, and in a spiritual eternal sense. Salvation is a present possession with a fuller realization in the future. And primitive culture, sozo is translated to give new life and to cause to have a new heart. Hallelujah. That is so far from the religion that I knew growing up. When I was 19 years old and I was empty, partying my head off and just trying to find purpose in life. And somebody was telling me about church and come to church. And I was like, that is absolutely not what I need. I had no idea what Jesus was really trying to offer me. He was trying to offer me life, friendship, purpose, the reason I was created. So glad that I finally went just to get my friend to quit inviting me to church. That's why I went. And here I stand 30 years later. When Jesus brought the kingdom, he brought something called Sozo. And there are four different scenarios I want us to look at today. And I'm going to do this quickly. Because I want to look at four different um, episodes where Jesus enters into a situation or situation presents itself to him. And he administers Sozo. To each one of these four unique situations, you might be able to identify with one of four or all four of these. I don't know, but they're all hopeless. You may not identify exactly with one of these, but we all experience hopelessness in our lives from time to time. And I want to say that Jesus is the answer to your hopelessness. When Jesus enters a hopeless situation, it's not hopeless anymore. So these four that we're going to look at is salvation healing, freedom, some call it deliverance. I like freedom because that's the point of deliverance and forgiveness, salvation, healing, freedom, forgiveness. And these are all motivated by his love. (sighs) Can we just all say, welcome Jesus there just for a moment. Just say, welcome Jesus. He's who are two or more gathered in my name. I'm right there. Just welcome Jesus. Ah, welcome into your house, Lord. This is where your kingdom resides. Salvation. Let's look at salvation first. Luke chapter 19. We're going to look at four hopeless situations this morning. And watch Jesus. And verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Now, for the Chris, for the PowerPoint, I'm going to help you. I'm going to read the entire text, fingers crossed, without commenting on it. Then you can jump back into the PowerPoint. All right? We're going to do this for all four chunks of Scripture, I think. And, he, and, and there was a rich man, a chief, chief tax collector, who was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, uh, but he could not because he was short of stature. So he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to a place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I may stay at your house. I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when he saw it, when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, if, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, sozo. Today sozo has come to this house. 
because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has not come to seek and save. I'm sorry. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Zacchaeus was one of the most hated men in that town. He was a traitor. He was a Jew working for the occupying Roman government to extract taxes from his countrymen. What a dirtbag. And so, and he would take more than what the government wanted. That's the way they did it back then. He would come to your house, bang on the door, say, pay Caesar's your taxes. He would get Caesar's taxes. Then they would rummage the house and they would take whatever they wanted. That's why he says, if I've taken anything from anybody that I shouldn't have, <laughs> I restore fourfold. And I give half of what I own to the poor. What a transformation. All he wanted to do was see this Jesus. So he's in the crowd, and the crowd looks at who it was. He's trying to see who he was. They're looking, oh, you're Zacchaeus. You're not taking my spot. I mean, they hated this guy in that town. So he climbs up the tree. And so when Jesus sees Zacchaeus, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. You know what everybody was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to get what he deserves from the preacher. Yeah, Jesus, get him. He's the holy rabbi. He knows. He just knows everything. He knows Zacchaeus is the one of the most wicked thieves in our town. Finally, justice. And Jesus says, I want to eat lunch with you today. What? I thought he was a rabbi. I thought he was the prophet. He should know who this guy is. Why? I deserve Jesus to have lunch with me. I go to church every Sunday. I tithe. I pray. He's going to have lunch with Zacchaeus. They were mad about it. What did the end of this passage say? For the Son of Man has come to seek. I know we're supposed to seek Jesus. That's all over the Bible. But did you know Jesus is also seeking you and I? He is our best friend. He created us. He loves us. He wants us. He's not seeking us so that he can judge us. He's seeking us so that he can sozo us. Salvation, healing, freedom, forgiveness. What do you need today? Jesus comes to our broken, pathetic, imperfect, sinful, backslidden lives with grace and healing and forgiveness. He's gotten such a bad rap. He's Jesus. You know, I remember when Elliot was uh, just a little one, little toddler. And uh, I had to go down to Mexico. And it was the first time I'd left him since he was born. And I'm in the airport in Tijuana. And my heart was hurting physically. It's like I couldn't breathe because I missed him so much already. I did not want to leave him. He didn't want me to leave. That's what hurt so bad. Now he doesn't care. But back then, <laughs> all he wants now is the keys to the car. But back then, he wanted daddy. And he'd be standing at the door in his little diaper bug. And that's all I can remember. And I'm sitting in the TJ airport with Mario, our 
our pastor of our sister church down there. And he says, what's the matter with you, man? I said, I miss Elliot so much. And he goes, that's the way the father feels about you when you don't hang out with him. It's like, dang. <laughs> Seriously? You're going to throw down on me in, in my pain? I've never forgot that. The same way I felt with the physical distance with my son is the way Jesus felt about Zacchaeus. It's the way he feels about you. The whole plan of God creating us was to be with us. When you see Jesus being kind to someone who doesn't deserve it, we have to understand that acceptance and approval are two completely different things with Jesus. Acceptance and approval. Do you think Jesus approved of Zacchaeus' thievery, extortion, betrayal? Do you think Jesus approved of his behavior? See, this is why the world um, judges the church by saying that we judge them. The world says the church is just a bunch of haters, bigots, and judgers. Well, there are some in the church Maybe some here, I don't know, every once in a while I fall into it as well, where you just judge people. You just, you're critical of them. Forgetting where we came from. Forgetting where Jesus scraped us off the pavement from, right? But for the most part, the reason they feel we judge them is because we don't approve of their lifestyle. We don't approve of their choices. They call that judgment. No, it doesn't mean that we reject you. It just means we don't approve of your behavior and your lifestyles. How can we? Because Jesus doesn't. Jesus doesn't approve of your lifestyle, but he embraces you. I embrace you, but I don't approve of what you're doing. I can't because Jesus doesn't, and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. It's like this guy, Charlie, who ended up with the mission, and he was just completely, you know, a broken man, an alcoholic. And, and uh, George befriended Charlie. And he loved on him and he accepted him and he embraced him and bought him clothes and he bought him food and he shared the gospel with him. He didn't reject him. He didn't condemn him. He just embraced him. And so one of the people working at the mission one day heard Charlie praying and he said, God, make me like George. And the head of the mission said, excuse me, don't you mean make me like Jesus? And he said, is Jesus like George? (laughs) True story. Jesus does not get all caught up in our immediate behavior. Jesus knows that if you can reach your heart, your behavior will change. There are, you know, behavior modification uh, organizations that are really important and really powerful, like AA and like NA. I mean, they help you get out of the addiction and, and manage it. I mean, these are really important things, but they're not salvation. And let me tell you something about Jesus. Jesus' deliverance, salvation, healing, forgiveness doesn't take weeks, months, and even years. And one lunch with Jesus, Zacchaeus jumps up. I give half of what I own to the poor. And if I've robbed anybody, I return fourfold. Do you know what the law said he was supposed to return? One-fifth. The law says if you steal from somebody, you have to return one-fifth. He says, I'll return four times what I stole from people. That's the effect Jesus has on people. Can I hear an amen? Amen. This is our Jesus that we're talking about today. 
Jesus did not come to the earth to bring another religion, but the kingdom of God. Now, that's really good news if you were raised in a religion like myself where you can really appreciate what Jesus brought. Because the way I was brought up was it's all performance-based. In other words, you'd be a good person, and if you're bad, then you light a couple candles and you do a couple you know, hallelujahs or whatever and do a good deed, and it balances it out. And hopefully, when you get into heaven, God will look at the good and the bad and the good will outweigh the bad, and you're allowed in. That's just pathetic. Jesus' message is, there's no hope for any of you. How's that sit? Does that feel good? There's no hope for any of you. That's why I came. book of Ephesians says, In those days you were living apart from Christ. You lived in the world without God and without hope. Zacchaeus was hopeless. I remember when I was praying for my dad. My dad, uh, my my oldest brother, his firstborn son, he was 20 years old, got ran over by a car and died. So my dad, who was a leader in the Catholic Church, um, left. And he left God. And for 25 years, he read all sorts of other religions and philosophies. And that bitterness drove him away from God. And he was a professed atheist. So I would pray and I'd say to God, I just, I'm real honest when I pray to God because he knows anyway. I just say, God, I don't have any faith my dad will ever get saved. But I'm going to pray because I'm supposed to. That was my prayer for my dad's salvation. So he ends up getting saved. And uh, it was an amazing thing. The only other person that I had less faith for in getting saved was myself. If my dad and I can both get saved, I know anybody can get saved. That town, people thought Zacchaeus was hopeless. But Jesus spent one day with him and he got saved. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. It doesn't matter how far you have gone, Jesus can reach you. He is your Savior. Secondly, he brings healing. Let's go to the book of Luke chapter 8. And for those of you that have given your life to Christ recently, or you've given your life to Christ and you've never been water baptized, today is the day to get water baptized. Everybody in the Bible... Everybody in the book of Acts, as soon as they got saved, they got baptized, saved, baptized, saved, baptized. That's part of the package. So if you've never been water baptized after church today, we're going to do water baptisms, especially if you've recently given your life to Christ. Some of you have rededicated after many years and you want to get baptized again. That's allowed. So you come on this afternoon. We're going to water baptize. It's going to be a celebration. And I invite anybody and everybody to come over and be a part of it as well and celebrate. Healing. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 40. Let's just watch Jesus. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had only one daughter about 12 years of age. Imagine that. You have one daughter, 12 years of age, and she was dying. 
But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who has spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be sozoed or healed by any. You may be in that condition today. I'm believing for miracles in this house today. She came from behind and touched the border of his garment. And immediately, immediately, her flow of blood stopped. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to comment. Then Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those said to him, Master, the multitude's throng, thronging you and pressing you, and you say, who touched me? Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has sozoed you. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Could you imagine being that father? How ticked off would you be? Oh, I'm commenting. How ticked would you be? You come to Jesus who's healing everybody. And you come, come heal my daughter. She's dying. And you get interrupted by some woman that needs her need met. Jesus stops to meet this woman's need. And in the meantime, your daughter dies. I would be so mad. But Jesus has more than enough for everybody. Nothing's too small and nothing's too big. For all of you who won't pray for the small things, I'm gobbling up all the small things territory. I'm taking up all the small territory. I pray, I pray for small, tiny things, big things. Don't you love your children? Don't the small, medium, and large? Don't you care about the small, medium, and large with your kids? Nothing's too small. Nothing's too big. When Jesus heard it, he answered and said, Do not be afraid. Only believe, and she will be sozoed. When he came to the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father. And he raised her from the dead. Here's what I love about the woman who got healed. I'm about to offend some theology. But I hope it sets you free. She dictated her own healing. This account blows away, if it be God's will theology. I never pray, if it be thy will, for salvation, healing, deliverance, or forgiveness. I do say, if it's your will, to go to this town, to that town, to buy and sell. What school do I go to? Where should I move? Who should I marry? That kind of stuff, if it be your will. But when it comes to the stuff that Jesus already paid for on the cross... I'm bringing it. She did not ask him. She just yanked it out of him. Isn't that amazing, Sam? Isn't that amazing? People are all around him. He's going through a crowd and people are pushing him and tugging on his stuff. And he goes, hey, somebody touched me. They're like, oh, 
That didn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. Somebody touched you. No, somebody touched me with faith. I just felt power go out of me. That's how I like to, that's how I like to pray. That's how I like to go get God. Give me it. Give me, give me, give me, give me. If I get too much, I'll apologize in heaven. In the meantime, I'm, I mean, oh, there's so much to be had from what Jesus paid for us to have on the cross. I don't know why we don't get healed sometimes. I don't. Sometimes we do know. Sometimes we don't. When we don't know, I just put a question mark and I just stay faithful. But what I don't do is change our theology from Jesus' kingdom theology to a theology that makes us feel better about our broken situation. And we don't go to, well, I guess God doesn't love me. Don't do that. No, 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 no. No, don't do that. Satan would love you to do that. Sometimes we don't have the answer right now for why a person isn't healed or saved or delivered. But what we're not going to do is draw conclusions that are contrary to the ministry and the life of Jesus. You know, Bill Johnson's son is deaf. Bill Johnson's son, who's now the pastor of Bethel. His son lays hands on deaf people all the time and they get healed, 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 healed from deafness. Question mark. He's not all wrapped around the axle. God doesn't love me. Why doesn't God heal me? They're not doing that. They're just saying, we don't know. But we're going to go on and we're going to continue to bring the kingdom. We don't have to have the answer to everything. But we're not going to change theology to make us feel better about our experience. Desperation moves God. She was hopeless. She was hopeless. Spent all of her money, all the doctors, all the priests, hopeless. Not allowed out into the crowd because of her physical condition. She was an untouchable. See, there's a difference when my kids say, Dad, 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 Dad. I'm just going to keep watching the NBA. I'm like, listen to that, man. I'm in the middle of something right now. Right? Dad, Dad, what? Right? Anybody else? Come on. Anybody else not have the holiest household on the planet? Come on. You're like Zacchaeus. It's lying thieves. That's different than when I'm watching the NBA Finals and I hear, Dad! Wah! I'm running, right? I hurt my toe. Oh. I'm okay. There's a different call from a child that touches the heart of a father or the heart of a mother. It's a different kind of faith, desperation. You might say, well, how do we touch his garment today? We don't need to touch his garment. We touch him. We touch him by faith through the word of God, through gathering like this, prayers of agreement down front here we'll do in just a few minutes. We touch him through communion, which we're going to take in a few minutes, his blood and his body. Miracles flow through communion. We touch him through worship. 
It doesn't matter how sick you are, Jesus can heal you. Freedom. Let's move quickly now. And Freedom. Luke chapter 8. Same chapter. Right before this account, Jesus goes to a demon-possessed man. When Jesus stepped out of the boat in chapter 8, verse 27, he met a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. Another hopeless situation. Had demons for a long time. You may have had demons for a long time. They might be real demons. We heard a great testimony last week of demonic deliverance. Wasn't that powerful? A woman who couldn't get delivered from since her childhood came to the gathering place and Gary and Kathy said, oh, yeah, we can, we can handle this. And she was like, seriously? Where have you been all my life? Two prayer sessions, completely set free, just awesome. Might not be demons, though. Uh, it just might be serious trials, hardships, uh, an unhappy marriage or job loss or um, bound with addictions or unforgiveness. This guy had demons. He cried out and fell down before Jesus saying, What if I do to you with you, Jesus, Son of God, the Most High God? And he says, I beg you, do not torment me. For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of him. But often seized him, kept him under guard, bound with chains and shackles, broke the bonds, was driven from demons in the wilderness. I mean, this guy is hopeless. Nobody can help this guy. He's tormented. And he's going to be that way for the rest of his life until he finally just throws him off the cliff. Nobody can help him. Nobody in the town. No doctors. No medication. No counseling. Can't help himself. You might be like that. You might feel like that sometimes. There is hope. Jesus asked him, what's your name? He tells him, good to meet you. Then he casts him out. And then we go down to verse 35. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. They also had seen it told him by by what means this demon-possessed man was healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the gatherings asked him to depart. They were seized with great fear. And he left, verse 39. He says to the guy, return and go to your house and tell what great things God has done for you. So he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. That word right mind, he said in his right mind, is the word sozo and friend. It means to save the mind. Jesus' salvation saves our minds, our emotions, our personalities, our bodies, our relationship with God. It doesn't matter how bound you are, Jesus can set you free. Family, I don't care how difficult a situation is that you run into with somebody at work, a family member, a stranger on the street. You've got to know you're a carrier of the kingdom. All you've got to do is introduce them to Jesus. Pray for them in his name, and the power of the Spirit will be there, and a miracle will begin to happen. That's who we are. That's what we have to offer the world. Jesus now flows through us to a hurting humanity. But you've got to be connected to him. This brings up our last point. I'm going to ask the ushers to pass out communion. They're going to pass out communion as I'm teaching this last point. And then I'm going to invite you to come to Jesus. For whatever you might need from him today. 
After we receive communion, then uh, the band's going to go back up on the stage and we're going to worship one song together and we're going to call out to Jesus and believe for his presence to come with power today. The prayer teams will come down and be here to pray for you for salvation, healing, deliverance, freedom, forgiveness. And here's the last sozo that Jesus brings. We've looked at salvation, healing, deliverance. Now we look at forgiveness. In Luke chapter 7, just back up one chapter. Go ahead, guys, and pass out the communion. We can do two things at once in this church. Watch. In Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. (sighs) And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair. And kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now the Pharisee, the religious leader of the day, who had invited him, saw this and he spoke to himself in his own mind, in his own heart. He's saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who's touching her. She's a sinner. Do you think that anybody that lived in Jerusalem had any chance at all of ever experiencing hope with this guy in charge of the church? Do you think the people you work with, the people you go to school with, unsafe friends and family members, have any hope at all of ever experiencing hope, the kingdom of God, if you and I are like, are like Simon the Pharisee? If we're judging others rather than embracing them, Not approving, but embracing them. Just being there with them. Loving on them. That's the bridge that affords you the opportunity to share the gospel at one point. When you have a relationship with somebody. They're expecting you and I to judge them. When we don't, it opens them up. That's what happened to me. You know, I was a a good heathen. I was a professional sinner. I was really good at it. The guy that I worked with on the construction site, he never, he never talked to me about my sin once. He didn't judge me. He didn't criticize me. He didn't condemn me at all, ever. He just kept inviting me to church, worked alongside me. He befriended me. I never felt judgment from him at all. I went there. I walked through the doors. I remember the first time I walked through the doors of the church. It was amazing. It was just like this wave of joy hit me. I thought, what is this? I mean, I went to the bars. That's where I hung out. I'd go to the bars and pick fights and, you know, end out on the, on the street. And I mean, that was the fun night when, you know, you get to clock somebody. I mean, that was like the height of the night. And I walk into it was kind of like a bar, bunch of people, everybody's happy, but nobody's drunk and there's no cover charge. It was weird. I remember one Friday night, the third time I was going to go, I got in the car and I was like, oh, my, I don't have any money for cover charge. And I thought, oh, this place doesn't do a cover charge. It was so different. 
And I went there and everybody embraced me and loved me. And I thought, I said, I went home. I was 19 years old. I went home, knelt down and said, Jesus, if you're who those people down there say you are, I want you in my life. That's how I got saved. They just loved on me. It was amazing. And so this Pharisee says, if this was a true prophet, he would know what manner of woman's touched him. She's a sinner. Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he says, say it, teacher. He's feeling pretty good about himself, especially in comparison to this sinner that's at Jesus' feet. He's probably expecting Jesus to say something like, who is the sinning woman? Who is the sinner? How did she get into your house? I don't know. You know I mean, who knows what Simon thought Jesus was going to say to him? There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, and the Pharisees thinking, ooh, I'm good at question and answer. I mean, this is what I do. I'm a professional. One owed 500 dinar and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who forgave more. And he said, you have rightly judged. Oh, you know, he's feeling good about himself right now. Oh, but here it comes. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I sure do. I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman anointed my feet with fragrant oil. He wasn't saying this to shame him. He's trying to explain to this Pharisee, this religious guy, what the kingdom's all about, and what Jesus actually came for. This guy has the same assignment as Jesus. He's just doing a poor job at it. They're both rabbis. They're both Israelites. And Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Now, not because she was weeping. She, she had already been forgiven. And it was because she knew the weight and the guilt of her sin and met Jesus. And she received forgiveness for her sins from Jesus that she breaks all protocol, busts into this guy's house and can't help herself but worship Jesus. So it's out of knowing how much she's been forgiven that worship explodes out of her. That's why I worship the way I do. That's why I love playing those drums. I asked if I could play because I miss it. I love playing my drums for him. I mean it. I used to play in bars. I don't want to do that. I want to play for him. I love it because I know where he found me. I know how sinful I was. I know how I used to use people and I used to steal and I used to be a liar. I was just a big fat sinner. And Jesus forgave me. And I have an entrance into heaven that I didn't pay for. It's mine as soon as I die. Seriously? It's mine. I did nothing to get it. I've been forgiven by Jesus. And he says, he who has been forgiven much loves much. Now you, you, you might find people worshiping like profusely and you might find it undignified and kind of uncomfortable. They just know how much they've been forgiven for. And then he says, but to whom little is forgiven, loves little. He's talking about the Pharisee here, but here's the truth. It's not that the Pharisee had a little to be forgiven for. It's that he didn't know how prideful he was. He didn't know this religious going spiritual leader did not know that he was a bigger sinner than the woman. 
You know why? Because he's judging her. That's a bigger sin than the sin that you're judging. Did you know that? When you and I judge other people's sins, our sin's bigger than theirs. Who are you to judge somebody else's sin? Are you God? No, you're a sinner too. Then he said, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table began to say within themselves, who is this who can forgive sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has sozoed you, saved you. Go in peace. None of these four people, Zacchaeus who needed salvation, the woman with the issue of blood and the guy whose daughter died needed healing, the guy that was demon-possessed needed deliverance, and this woman needed forgiveness. They all got it. And none of them earned it. None of them worked for it. None of them deserved it. They just met Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo! Does that just bust religion up? It's all about Jesus. You can't steal my friendship with him. Religion can't. I read a testimony this week about a, a woman, a girl. who uh, was a Muslim. And after months of talking with a ministry in the Middle East about Jesus, she gave her life to Jesus. And she said, I want to I say I'm grateful for ISIS. And they said, what? And she said, because they showed me what Islam was really about. And they turned me away from Islam. And if it wasn't for them, I never would have met Jesus. And she said, I needed to know that it was true, Christianity was true, that Jesus was true, because I can't die for a lie. She said, but I know who Jesus is now. I know he's the truth. And now I'm ready to die. Wow. All we have to do is be made fun of because we're Christians. That's our death, I guess. I just want to say, we just need to live loud and proud and bring the love of Jesus to everybody around us who's hurting and lost. Pray for the sick. They may or may not get healed, but some of them will. That's going to be an amazing thing. So what do you need from Jesus this morning? I want you to go to him right now. You just go to him right now. Some of you might need salvation. Some of you here today have never given your life to Jesus Christ. Right now is the moment to do it. Say, Jesus, I'm asking you into my life. I need you. I need forgiveness of my sins. He'll save you. Some of you need physical healing. When you eat that bread and you drink that juice, that's the body and blood of Jesus Christ, and it has power. And when you eat and drink that, believe him for healing. Some of you may need freedom and deliverance from addictions, unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, maybe satanic oppression. Come to Jesus for that. Some of you may be like I was with my son Elliot when he was little and I just missed him so desperately. Maybe you have just allowed the world to draw you away from Jesus. And he wants you to come home this morning. He wants to have your friendship back. He's not going to judge you. He's not going to condemn you. He's not going to make you some weird religious thing. He just wants your friendship back.
What do you need from Jesus today? I'm going to ask the band to come up. And as you, band, as you're going up there, as I know you're also receiving communion, <clears throat> you just take it up there with you. What I'd like to do in this communion time right now is you just come to Jesus with what you need today. I feel like I just got this from the Holy Spirit. It might be for an unsaved friend, and you want to come to Jesus on their behalf. And when you eat that body and you drink that blood, you do it on their behalf and pray for their salvation. Just like my dad, who I didn't think would ever get saved. Jesus can save anybody. And then as the band begins to play, a song called Make All Things New, which is what Jesus does. You can eat the bread and drink the juice whenever you're ready. It's between you and Jesus. And let's believe for the kingdom to come this morning. And I'm going to ask the prayer teams that after you've eaten the bread and drinking the juice for yourself, then if you'll come down here to this pony wall down here and just be ready. And anybody here in the house that you need prayer, you can come down front here while we're in this song and receive prayer. And let's believe Jesus for miracles in the house today. Guilt withdrawn and as you rise.